Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt. They're known by lots of different names. A social supermarket, the community larder, your local pantry. But the idea is fundamentally the same and it's spreading fast. More and more churches and Christian charities are opening these projects to feed their neighbourhoods, tackle poverty, reduce food waste and, hopefully, bring marginalised people into a kingdom-focused community. I wanted to find out why, after a decade of soaring growth of church-based food banks, Christians up and down Britain were now increasingly moving to a very different model of food support and what that might mean for the future of the church's social outreach during our current cost of living crisis. The UK is going through a very tough time economically, with inflation at 40-year highs, energy bills more than tripling and food prices soaring. But it is a sad fact that long before Covid or the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Britain already had a big problem with food poverty. According to a report last year from the Food Standards Agency, a staggering 15% of the population, about one in seven of us, is defined as food insecure. When the agency asked people how often they skipped meals or reduced the size of their plates because they couldn't afford to buy enough food, 22%, more than one in four, said that they'd done this. The spectacular, if depressing, rise of the food ban sector since about 2010 is evidence of two things. Firstly, that far too many people in Britain have been struggling to put food on the table. And secondly, that churches want to help. It has been remarkable to watch the Trussell Trust, a small Christian outfit based in Salisbury, grow from one food bank and a garden shed in the year 2000 to a network of 429 today, mostly hosted by local churches and often run on a backbone of Christian volunteers. But a growing number of churches are now pursuing a very different solution to the problem of food poverty. The social supermarket, community larder or local pantry, I'm going to call them social supermarkets for simplicity's sake from now on, is an entirely different model to the food bank. Rather than doling out pre-packed food parcels to those with a referral from GPs, councils or charities, social supermarkets operate with a membership scheme. Members pay a few pounds a week and in return can come to the shop to pick out a certain amount of food themselves. Sam Milcham works for Soul Church in Norwich, and they set up a social supermarket last year. It grew out of a previous project started during the pandemic to deliver food parcels directly to vulnerable households who were shielding or missing their free school meals when schools were closed. But as Covid began to recede in late 2021, the church wanted to find something more lasting and transformative. And so the social supermarket model was kind of something that we there's a bit of a talk about we heard people talking about it um even from the funding side of things people saying actually yeah that seems like a better way to fund we're not restricted in the same way covid doesn't seem to be as big then like shops can operate again and so that's kind of what led us there and to be honest it's been probably one of the best things we've done um it's been fantastic so we started in april um it's a membership-based shop but and all every single one you'll talk to, they'll all have their own little ways of doing things. So I don't think there's a best way. I think it's just a way that you say this works for us. Mm-hmm. So we're membership based. Um, 
and you can self-refer yourself. So a lot of the time there's barriers to to getting help. So you need to prove that you're in need, prove that you're in a financial situation. And sometimes the people that are in need, like they don't make the criteria. They're not on benefits. They're, they're just in maybe huge amounts of debt, but they are still working. And so you look on paper, and you think, what's going on? Like, it's just poor decisions that have gotten there. Um, and so really we're saying, hey, let's step in there and help. So they can self-refer. So there's an element of trust in that, but we kind of got a pretty good vetting process. We talk about it. We kind of really sell it to them. And then also we've got a load of other courses that we really try and get all of our guys to go on. So, um, so yeah, so people can sign up. Depending on the size of the household, they get a different number of bag allocation per week. So larger households get more carrier bags. Smaller households get smaller. And then it's a membership fee per carrier bag. So you pay three pound per carrier bag, um, but you get a load of goods in the carrier bag. So that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably find this kind of a gray, it's not gray area, um, but we're not selling products in the same way because Tesco's who have given the stuff or Audi or whoever, they, they say this isn't for resale, but they recognize that social supermarkets or food banks obviously need to run and actually the the place in the 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 value on the bag um gives gives the gives the member or the customer real dignity so that's really cool to see so people really they don't feel like they're going to maybe a food bank in the same way where they're just getting a handout and but actually they're coming into a shop and i don't know if you've seen any images of what we've got here but we've got a big porter cabin that we've and people go in and they browse and they pick what they want and um, it's like a shop. And so there's a real dignity to it. It's not, you know, it's all on shelves and it's all presented nicely because that's part of what we want to do. Um, if you want to say, no, look, come here. This is, this is a place where you've got dignity. There is hope. We'll treat you like a normal person. You're not coming just in for a handout, although sometimes that is. But also we want to push you into courses and get you onto the cat money course the job club we've got a well-being group we do nutrition courses uh, all these other things that we know make a difference so that's kind of it something similar happens at the cutslow community larder a social supermarket run by a church plant on an oxford council estate the church's leader tom murray said this project also grew out of a pandemic era food parcel delivery service which was becoming unsustainable we had a choice then as to what model we moved on to so whether we uh, wanted to stop what we were doing, whether we wanted to continue it um, as a food bank or uh, how we were going to do things. Uh, and at that point, we made a decision to move to a membership model, um, which is the uh, Sophia Community Larder model. So uh, briefly, it's £3.50 uh, a week uh, paid on a monthly basis. Uh, and you get a membership that allows you to shop each week. And so rather than a pre-packed box, we started having... Um, yeah, we, uh, ambient food that was available um, for people to come and shop. Uh, initially, as we started charging, there was a drop-off in membership uh, down to about 50 people, um, but that membership then quickly grew again up to 70 um, and has been steadily rising from there uh, up to about 130, 140 uh, people or families um, that we're involved with now. And so you said there was a decision to make about how you took it forward once the, I guess, the kind of immediate crisis or the shock of the first lockdown had subsided. Um, a lot of churches have for many years, long before COVID, have been doing this kind of food provision, combating food poverty through hosting food banks. 
what was your rationale for choosing not to go down that line and instead pursuing the kind of community larder model instead? Yeah, I, I think initially a very pragmatic model. Um, and this was it was all happening quite quickly. And the people who were supplying the food were offering a community larder model. Um, but I think also um, the underlying principles behind a larder uh, appealed to us as a church. Um, the philosophy of larders is that um, the food is the thing that draws people in. But actually, um, a lot of it is around the what, what are called wraparound services that you put around the food in order that you're not just uh, meeting a food need. You're also um, maybe trying to tackle some of the underlying reasons for food poverty. Um, and so I like the larder model um, of trying to create something that draws the community together uh, and then add to it uh, different things that add value. Um, and, and, you know, after we'd been running for a couple of months, that wasn't a well thought through, here are the aims, here's what we're trying to achieve. It was very much an emerging model. But actually on that journey, we we kind of, as a group, realised there's, there's three quite explicit aims and uh, maybe uh, one less explicit aim, uh, I would say. So our explicit aims would be that we um, we try and tackle food poverty in the area, recognising that larders are set up in order to support people in food poverty. And so that's the clear objective. Um, it's also a way of utilizing food that would otherwise go to food waste. Um, and uh, the statistics is often quoted to us is 90% of the food that comes to us would otherwise go to landfill um, or food waste. Um, and so by larders existing there, they are meeting another need in terms of combating food waste. That's really important in our community. Uh, our community is quite a divided one. There's areas of real poverty, but there's also um, areas of real wealth. Uh, but in those areas of wealth, there are people there who care passionately about food waste and the environment. And so um, what's, what's really lovely about this project in the community is we have members who are both there for food poverty reasons and also there for food insecurity, uh, sorry, uh, food poverty, but also for food waste reasons. Um, and so it changes the flavor and the feel of a larder uh, because nobody nobody can say why a person is there. So if you walk into a food bank, um, you can pretty much guarantee that the person is there is because they 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 can't afford um, their food. Uh, and that's not a bad thing, but it but it it creates a certain environment within that space. Whereas this is much more about a community supporting others within the community. And so you've no idea that the person behind you, I mean, some people turn up in their Porsche uh, and pick up leftover potatoes. You know, uh, they pay their membership the same as everyone else. Now, I, I've got to say they rarely pick up all the items they're entitled to and usually leave a lot of food for somebody else to be blessed by. But actually the fact that they're a member and the fact that they're part of that community creates a very different sense of community. Um, it's a very level ground at a community larder uh, and the person in the queue, yeah, you, you can't make those assumptions about them, uh, which brings a real dignity uh, and also uh, a real choice. And so uh, I think they were the things that really attracted me to the larder model. Church Action on Poverty organise a network of 75 social supermarkets under their branding of Your Local Pantry. 
James Henderson from the charity said social supermarkets operated on a very different, if still Christian, ethos to food banks. But for us, the, the major focus, we have this, uh, so our major focus is dignity, hope and choice. That's that's what a pantry really gives. Um, and that came from one of our volunteers in Peckham Pantry. Um, so there's uh, the St. Luke's Church involved there and, an, and a big uh, retail unit. And um, they basically said that if you had those three, you can survive, uh, you know, and it is a question of survival for so many people uh, in our communities. And we just love it that, with a pantry people can come together and each member who contributes to that pantry is helping others um, because of the economies of scale we can buy more food together so it, it, it's like it acts like an old-fashioned co-op really and it's uh, it's great that we're able to partner with the co-op in this and mm. um and support each other and it, it's really communities coming together to support one another and to and to help each other through tough times and so is the is the model that um the each individual pantry is kind of collecting all the obviously the membership kind of fees from from its members and then using that money to go out and buy food because I know some uh, kind of have deals where they get given surplus food from supermarkets and things like that how how does it work for your pantries that's right. So, so, so it's a real mixture. So, um, so, so we obviously have that that uh, central pot of fund for uh, for uh, and if a member really wants something, um, and we're able to support people within the local economy. So in Liverpool, lots of churches uh, are, are working together, and and they have a local butcher who comes to deliver to all the pantries. They have a greengrocer who does the same. So supporting local businesses, creating lots of jo- uh, local jobs, and uh, and supporting people. So, so that's a model that that we really love to see. Um, we also work with other pantries, like uh, so, other charities like Fair Share and His Church, um, to be able to buy in that surplus food that that would otherwise have gone to waste. Um, and that's a really important thing for our members. A lot are really keen to um, uh, to, to tackle food waste, um, and uh, and then the pantry is able to provide lots of other support around that. So uh, we often have debt advice coming in. We have housing support we have citizens advice there um it might be just a group of people who've met um and they're now doing a knit and natter group um because of that so um it's very much on kind of focusing on the members and what it is that they want to do um and then helping um to 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 make that happen really um which is really good so we have to say that it's all about the food but it's not about the food which which sounds really silly but for us we need that good quality food we want those fresh ingredients because that brings the members in um and it means that they leave with full tummies and that they've made good savings but actually we want to to provide a lot more than that um, through the relationship we're able to build with them we might be able to signpost them or or get somebody to come in and help them uh, they might start to volunteer and build skills in retail and it and uh, and and that might help them go on to a job or um so, so we're all about kind of helping people move forward um uh, together really premier christian newscast Christian Newscast. So now I hope the emerging model is becoming a bit clearer. It's not a handout, it's a shop. You're not a poor recipient, you're a paying member. It's not just for the poor, but also those concerned about food waste. And it's not just a space to receive food parcels, it's a community you were invited into. 
James Henderson again. In many communities, people, um, they, they want to contribute their, if, 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 if something feels like charity, then, then, then that, that can be a barrier in many cases. But, but paying a small membership fee, knowing that by doing that, you're helping other people um, really helps to lower those barriers. And actually, people are really proud to be part of the pantry that, um, you know, you, you often see your neighbours in there, uh, people from the school gate, uh, whole generations go and shop there. You know, mom will shop with daughter um, and, and it's quite a social thing. And um, we've got one of our volunteers in Liverpool who proudly wears her apron uh, we give them all a branded apron and all the pantries and she proudly wears that on the school run because she wants all the other school mums and dads to to know that she's a member of the pantry and people will come and say oh what's this why are you wearing that and um so so it can be very different from uh from emergency provision where where people might might feel that there is a stigma within that and and i think you know pantry isn't the um it's not going to solve everything, but it's part of the jigsaw. It's part of the ecosystem of improving food insecurity in, in some of our communities. Um, and it works very well alongside um, other models out there um, and, and things like food banks. And increasingly, we have a lot of food banks coming to us who said, who are saying, yeah, we, we still need the food bank for the crisis provision, but how do we help people move on? How do we help mm. them grow? We think that pantry could be a way of doing that. And and so we're a bit of a ladder out of that food bank, um, helping people grow and move on. And then we're also a bit of a safety net that actually if you have just lost hours at work or you've just lost your job, um, actually you might not, it might defer how long you need that that food bank um, referral for. So, um, so, so it's really kind of working together um, and a number of different solutions that we need to solve something as, as complex as food insecurity within our communities. And, uh, and we're just really happy to be part of that, that kind of ecosystem, really. Sam Milcham said this approach was also more practical as it meant nobody was being given food they couldn't actually eat. In the initial phase of his church's food distribution scheme, each box was filled with the same set of cupboard staples, meaning that a gluten-free household was still given a kilo of pasta every week, even though they would never eat it. Most social supermarkets source the bulk of their food from national charities, predominantly one called Fair Share, who redistribute surplus but still edible products from large supermarket chains and pass them on at a very low cost to charities. At the height of the pandemic lockdowns, there were enormous quantities of food coming through this route. But as the cost of living crisis bites, supermarkets are tightening their belts and reducing their own waste considerably. There has definitely been a decline in the stock levels they've got. So one of the things we've seen is cost of living crisis has gone up. And what we can only presume is the supermarkets are going, OK, power's going up you know wages going everything's going up costs going up how do we reduce costs we reduce our waste and so where we would be able to get you know during the height of covid we had 30 ton of waste coming through um so we could send multiple vans all week long we get as much food as we need um i can now only get two collections a week and that's about between seven to eight hundred kg a week of food from fair share and i need two and a half tons of food a week to keep going so I haven't yet had to close, and that is a miracle, by grace of God. Um, and we've always had certain things because we've had a good, like, um, uh, a good reserve of things like pasta. And but they're like our big fear is we'll get to a point where we just can't help people because we run out of food. Hmm. Um, 
so yeah so that that's the probably the impact that that's maybe a hidden impact is that actually the cost of living crisis is reducing the surplus that's going to people like us that and it. that's happening at exactly the same time i guess when there are more and more people needing this kind of support because yeah. you know bills so are going, going up, up and and then supplies going down mm. and you know it, it kind of there's been weeks where we go i don't know but then at christmas we saw a huge like just a load of stuff come through so it's oh brilliant so we we're able to get a load in so yeah we're always trying to work with whoever can get us food so we're trying to create and as well for our food network we don't want to be reliant just on fair share because then that can cause a real problem if something happens there they have to close for a week we're in real problem. so we've got local relationships with local businesses and especially for the fresh stuff so we've got a really great relationship with a local abattoir um that give us you know chicken we normally get at least 200 kg sometimes 600 kg of chicken a week which is fantastic um always trying to look for new ones we've got a great bakery crusty life who who help us out with some fresh bread a couple of times a week normally so whoever we can we've even got just a little organic um veg box company down mason road run by some christian guys uh, they don't come to our church, but we know them really well. And they'll just drop off a pallet of mushrooms. And that's really helpful because it's just something to have in the fridge. Mm. Um, it's always mushrooms. At Tom Murray's social supermarket, anyone can sign up as a member with no means testing or referral required. He said this had worked well during COVID, what was now becoming perhaps more complex. It's interesting you mentioned that about how it, you know, you have people from all different backgrounds and presumably kind of wealth coming. Do you ever feel uncomfortable the fact that you're kind of providing steeply discounted food for people who could otherwise who otherwise shop at waitrose and is that potentially you know taking a spot that could be used by someone who's on benefits yeah great question um and initially no because when we first started there was more excess food in the national pot of excess food than could be used and so actually we were all you were really doing is preventing more food going to landfill which you know was a was a more positive thing to be doing with the food i guess i feel a little more uncomfortable about it now because the the amount of excess food coming out of supermarkets is reducing and so is it that somebody who could afford their weekly shop who's getting it for less are they taking it away from somebody else not usually but in some circumstances yes um, and so what, what I think is really important is in a larder is there's a culture um, and that's really important um, and how you shape that culture and what it feels like really matters for those people using it. And so, for example, one of our one of our larder volunteers, they're also a member, you know, they happen to, you know, I think they're a millionaire. Um, they're a volunteer, but they're a member. And. And each week they do their shopping, but each week they usually pick up about three ambient items and some fruit and veg, which means there's seven additional ambient items to offer somebody else. And the fruit and veg would always go to waste if it wasn't used. And so there's somebody that really understands the model and is using it to support other people, but not in a condescending, not in a you need this but rather in a, we're doing this together to support the community and I'm benefiting from this, you're benefiting from that. And I, and I think the benefit of having a place like that where people feel able and comfortable to come and shop means that you reach more people who would benefit from it. Whereas if you strictly means test it and have it, you know, and it's only reaching those people that really need it, 
there can be, and this is not a criticism of food banks. I think what they do is a wonderful thing and I've volunteered for one for a long time, but there can be a, a different attitude and a different uh, culture there, which I think, um, and my experience of food banks is they do a wonderful, they work really hard to work against that, but this is a different approach that um, that approaches that differently. And, and clearly there's criticism of that in that you might end up supporting people that don't really need support. But in doing so, you create an environment where it's much less about being done to and more about a community working together to support each other. However, in many ways, the diversity of his community larder reflected the diversity of the church with young and old, rich and poor, all jumbled up together in one body. It, it highlights something of that's very powerful in church when we recognise, um, when there's a vulnerability to recognise our need for each other. Uh, and I think that both, um, and I encourage all the volunteers to be members as well, because I don't, I think that it creates that environment where we're actually, we're dependent on each other. And even if, you know, some people take more than others, there's still a shared sense of, as a community, we are benefiting from this. Uh, and I think the same is true in church. You see the way that, uh, you know, when one part of the body is suffering, it all suffers. Uh, and we see that in, you know, the Bible's teaching about the church as a body. Um, and, I, and I think that's a really good comparison between, uh, yeah, church and larder. And actually, I, I think the church or, or certainly my approach. So I, I lead a church plant in Oxford um, and I'm learning a lot of lessons about church planting and growing uh, and reaching different parts of the community through the way that the community larder is growing and through the way that people come and are members of the larder for a couple of weeks and then they start stacking a few boxes and before you know it they're one of our key volunteers and actually they are part of shaping what the community larder looks like. Sam Milcham in Norwich said his team did not shy away from seeing the social supermarket as not just a nice thing to offer the community, but a critical way his church was building the kingdom of God. The big drive in our volunteers, in myself, in the team is because ultimately we know, you know, real transformation happens when people encounter Jesus. And I think we can't talk about people who are spiritually hungry if they're physically hungry. Jesus time and time again feeds people. Um, you know, feeding the 5,000, but then he teaches them. And, you know, you can't listen. No one's going to want to listen to me talk about Jesus, how Jesus says you can have life to the full if they're sitting there saying, yeah, but I really love just a loaf of bread and some chicken. Um, so that's kind of like, I think we're called to do both. And um, I also think what's really interesting is um, I think we, yeah, we when churches do it, we're we're able to meet well a lot of the physical need but then there's the whole spiritual need which if that person wants to go there they can and they want to have those conversations and so often we'll pray with the guys we'll have those conversations we have worship music playing um people know we're a church we have people from other faith groups come to us and that's really interesting um because they're going okay i don't believe in the same religion you believe in um but they're have to come get help from us and so we're kind of you know come down and be part of it and we'll just love you the best way we can sam milcham later shared stories of families which had first joined as a member from the original lockdown food delivery project 
but through building relationships at the social supermarket, had joined the church, become Christians, got back into work, and now started volunteering themselves, given that they no longer needed help affording food. If we can offload people like that, that's my goal. I want to get to a point where I can go, right, I need to sign up, and then I'll know, okay, in 12 months' time, 50% of the last sign-ups will now be in a better place. Like, that's what I need to get to. And even if it's 15, like whatever it is, that's kind of my big project to kind of work on. How can I get people to a place of freedom, a place of fullness um, and whether that and how that looks, how that looks. But Church Action on Poverty's pantry network has a different approach and vision for what fullness of life means in this context. James Henderson said many of their local partners running social supermarkets on the ground were not churches at all, but councils or housing associations or other secular groups and it wouldn't be appropriate to mingle evangelism with that kind of social outreach. But he insisted this did not mean Jesus' call to life in all its fullness did not lie at the heart of the scheme. We want to build the kingdom, but but actually it, it is about helping people first and foremost to thrive and and to flourish, and that we really see that day in, day out, that, that people in our communities are struggling. You know, we... Um, we might know people in our families who are struggling and so that's that that's our primary motivation is 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 to kind of help people thrive and flourish i mean f- for me it's john 1010 um but actually we we uh none of our pantries are uh, overtly uh, evangelistic because that that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate so um so it, it it's not a kind of convert people via the back door kind of thing we're we're about kind of uh you know valuing the whole self as, as jesus taught us to do and and faith is obviously part of that but actually um you know if a partner was just joining us because they want this to be an evangelistic opportunity that that probably wouldn't be appropriate we're about genuinely serving the community you know loving god uh, and loving our neighbor uh, you know not not all of our staff are, are christians uh some are people of other faith some are people of no faith at all and so we we genuinely value that um and uh and yeah it, it for us it's it's all about that holistic and and for me personally it's you know i believe everyone is made in that image of god and so so i need to value that and and in whatever expression uh, that that is in our communities tom murray said he was attempting something of a middle ground noting his larder did not belong just to his church but to the whole community and that it was vital not to appear to be exploiting vulnerable people who had come for cheap food by making some kind of expression of interest in jesus a precursor to receiving help uh, I guess I naively thought that there'd be this wonderful osmotic sort of pull that uh, people would come to the larder, realise that it's run by the church and and would be naturally drawn into the church. Um, I've got friends who run the larder in their church building. And I think that is a um, drawing people into a church space and seeing that that's the place where community is and that's the place where food is given that relationship is much closer um, we're a church plant that meet in a in a school hall um, and so um, that that natural being in a sacred space triggering those conversations doesn't happen quite so naturally um, uh, I would say probably 50% of our volunteers are uh, are professing Christians and I think would talk about that as a motivation for doing what they do but I also recognise that we welcome volunteers from anywhere. And so there are this, the larder belongs to the whole community. And so I have to be really careful, and particularly recognising we're dealing with 
very vulnerable people that there's never any sense that a um yeah an expression in interest of following jesus is a precursor for getting the extra food or any extra support and so making sure that this is a way that we're loving our community but as people ask as people make those connections between why we're loving our community and our faith that's where i hope we're able to talk more and to to speak of jesus i guess we're uh, we're exploring at the moment the possibility of a um an additional um sort of activity maybe taking some of the leftover food from the larder uh, and cooking it into an evening meal and having a sort of larder meal uh, where we take the opportunity to talk about questions of faith you know maybe sort of to explore some um yeah questions about jesus and things like that uh, that's not something we've done yet um, but it's, it's it's something we're exploring about how do we better connect these wonderful connections that the church is making into the community? How do we help? Um, yeah. How do we help those people uh, be introduced to Jesus? All of those interviewed said that it was clear that demand for social supermarkets was steadily rising. In Oxford, the community larders membership has grown from about 50 at the start in 2020 to more than 140 people today. Church Action on Poverty's pantry network has exploded in size, with just 14 pantries nationwide before COVID, leaping up to 75 today. The charity is now also targeting to increase that to 225 in just three years. Sam Milcham in Norwich said his social supermarket currently served about a thousand households, and because of the growing struggles many had at present, they started to introduce a suite of other services, including job clubs, dead advice, mental health groups and other courses. Tom Murray in Oxford said that more and more of his members were now coming from working households who would previously have had no problem getting food on the table. What I'm really noticing anecdotally is a increase in the um, in in the working in working families that are trying to get to the larder um, in the previously where they would uh, yeah they would be happy with their weekly shop. Actually, there's a number of families who have one parent that's working full time and the other parent is making sure they get to the larder in order to reduce their 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 cost of living. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's an interesting observation. Um, and and I also there's a growing number of people. So we, uh, we set up a hardship fund as part of the community larder. And there is a growing number of people who are asking for support because they've just run out of money uh, and and they're not always necessarily the people you would expect. Um, and actually maybe some of the people who for whom they would never expect to be in a community larder are finding themselves there because, you know, someone suddenly lost their job and actually mortgages need to be paid and all of a sudden they're, they're in a very different financial situation. Uh, I think we're seeing more of that. Um, which yeah is a is a saddening shift, but I I think the consequences of this cost of living crisis are you know we're nowhere near in the we're in the start of it we're not uh, we're not right in the heart of it and I I think it's it's sadly it's going to get quite a lot worse before it gets better. Clearly, the demand for help with food is only getting worse rather than better at present. But a final big difference between social supermarkets and food banks is the long term vision. Those running food banks have often said in the past that their dream would be to shut the whole thing down because nobody needed them anymore. 
but social supermarkets focused on cutting waste and fostering community around food are not normally seen as necessary evils, but actively good things here to stay, even when, God willing, the cost of living crisis and food insecurity in this country does finally begin to wane. It's, it's interesting. I've just been on a call just before where we were talking about, you know, how how do we move? How do we kind of gently at their own pace move people forward? I think um, it very much fits in with with that wanting people to have to have hope. Um, and once people start to build that hope, they can start to make choices for themselves. And um, and pantries are a great springboard for that to to, to enable that to happen. Um, and and you know we we love to see those stories of people growing and and, and developing and um, and kind of say volunteering and then getting a job and and moving on. And um, we have some quite moving testimonies of when people have decided that actually they, they don't need the pantry anymore and they're, they're they're kind of going it alone as they say but they'll they'll still pop in and visit but but they don't they don't actually need the shop because they want somebody else to be able to have that then and mm. um yeah that's really exciting to see That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 